We've been talking about change. The whole front has got them. I'm putting Bible references in there for you. Just you can go to those and look up those Bible passages yourself. If you remember, I want to call your attention the power of change. It's the it's really the second item down under the necessity of change. It works off of that passage, and that's where we talked about all the things in the the word tense that I put on your uh, the bulletin insert. That actually it was just says you once were, but now you are. And so it's talking about what was past and what you've become. And that's the hope of all of us is that there's this old life that we have and then we found Christ and what happened is we were transformed. So on the front page of your notes, it says the necessity of change and the power of change. And that passage, Ephesians 2, if you just go in and say, you once were, but now you are, and that's what it does. It, it talks about the, the tense of it. Was it past, present, and it also tells us about future. And so... What that says is that God knows who we are. He's, he, he's doing what he's doing in our life now, and there's something coming. See, there's something coming, amen? Can you say there's something coming? And there's someone coming, and that'd be him, amen? So here's the thing, why I want to change. You know I want to change? I want to change. You know why I want to change? Because I want to change for the better. No matter what I am, I want to change for the better. See, the minute you begin to, they call it resting on your laurels, you know, there's an old saying in business, uh, coasting is downhill only. You got to put in drive, baby. See what I mean? You got to pedal to the metal, put it in drive. You you can't go backwards. You know, you ever try to drive with your, you know, looking in the rearview mirror to drive? Hello, do it in a safe place if you ever try that. You know, it's, you can do it for a little while, but that's not the way we were meant to drive. So put in drive and look forward. Those mirrors are just for checking your surrounding. You might remember where you come from. That's pretty important. But you don't want to dwell there because that will keep you from seeing what's ahead of you and where you need to go. So why I want change for the better, for hope. I want to make a difference in people's lives. If I'm not doing that sufficiently yet, guess what? I'm not satisfied. Is anybody At the end of the day, sometimes I lay my head on the pillow and I think of just what I could have done and should have done and might have done. And then I have to give all of that to God because otherwise it would torture me and torment me. So you give it away and say, God, I'm going to do better tomorrow with your help. I'm going to do better tomorrow with your help. I want to fulfill God's purpose for my life. I believe that I'm here for a reason. Do you know you're here for a reason? Do you know you have purpose? And that purpose is called, we call it destiny. You have a destiny that God has ordained for you. He wrote your book before you ever existed, he wrote it. Some of us would like to change some of the, some of the text. We'd like to change some of the chapters, right? We'd like to say, well, I would have put this in there, God. I don't like those kind of things happening. I would have just made it a wonderful comedy, a romantic comedy maybe. But instead, he's given us this action adventure, Right? He's given us this thing that sometimes it's not all that pleasant. And, but he knows how it's going to end. And it ends how he wants it to end. And it ends when he wants it to end. And so until we get to that place, we got to live it out. Amen? Follow his script. Not the script we might try to write for ourselves. So change is going to take what? Change takes everything. So all those things on the front, that's what it takes. I'm picking up from here. Is change takes sacrifice. That's your blank on the top of the page. That means when it says you must buffet your body, that's not buffet, that's buffet. 
When it says buffet your body, that means you got to tell it no when it comes to certain things. Guess what? I've had to tell my body no to sugar, to candy and ice cream and cakes. Why? Because I'm a diabetic and that's not good for me to eat cupcakes and eat all kinds of garbage like that. See, now for me, it's garbage. For you, it's dessert. For me, it's garbage. Get it? Because it's killing me. It does bad for me. So that's something I have to buffet my body. Why? Because I want to have a discipline in my life and self-control so that when I tell somebody else they can do something, they can look at me and say, hey, if you did it, I can do it. That's part of the reason we want change is so somebody else can look at you and say, you did it, I can do it. So you got you to sacrifice. That's what it is. Sacrifice. And eventually, when you do it enough, it's not really sacrifice at all. It just comes kind of, it comes to you. It's natural. The supernatural becomes natural. Amen? Change will happen when we hold nothing back. When we hold nothing back. That's your blank. When you hold nothing back in pursuit of his glory. See? Here's what 1 Corinthians 9, 24, 27 says. You've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes run. Everyone runs and only one wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. They do it for gold medal that tarnishes and fades. You're after one that's gold eternally. I don't know about you, but I'm running hard for the finish line. I'm giving it everything I've got. No sloppy living for me. I'm staying alert and in top condition. I'm not going to get caught napping, telling everyone else all about it and then missing out myself. See, that's why they believe that Christians are hypocrites. Because we speak one thing and we act a different way. It's the reason why we've got to let it be that the way we talk is actually the way we live. That's the way what you see on Facebook posts is the way we would be on a Sunday morning in church. See, yeah, I heard that. Uh Uh-oh. That means you got to have the sweetness of the kindness and the greatness of God has to be in my life on a Sunday morning and it's in my life all week long. And it's because that's what's oozing out of me, not all kinds of other stuff. So see, some of us may say, God, redeem my Facebook. Go ahead. If that's you, you just go ahead and say, God, redeem my Facebook, my habits, my running off at the mouth, my spouting out. Wow. That's for somebody in the room. How about humility? That's the next one. Now, humility will keep you from receiving what I just said. Uh, pride will keep you from receiving it. Humility will cause you to say, yep, that's me. Trash talker. Humility. And and what James says, it's not as if, Paul says, it's not as if I've arrived. See, some of us, when, when you begin to tout that you're humble, it actually is kind of an arrogance, isn't it? Yep, I'm humble. Boy, I'm humble. You know, I'm really humble. And pretty soon you're thinking, you know, you think you're so humble, you're really not humble. You're kind of arrogant about being humble, which means you're really not humble. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, I, I talk so much about being teachable that I'm never asking what I could learn. I'm always telling you how teachable I am. You see how that works? James says it this way. He says, what's causing the, the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and even kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. 
You want only what will give you pleasure. And he says, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. What do you think the scriptures mean when they say that the spirit of God is placed within us? It is filled with envy. But he gives us even more grace to stand against such evil desires. As the scripture says, God opposes the proud but favors the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. That's verse 10. So humility, that's one of the secrets to change. One is sacrifice. The next one is humility. The next one's called accountability. This is something that most people don't do so well. You know what accountability is? How many of you live accountable? What do you think? Anybody live accountable? That means you've got a boss over you that you have to answer to. And if you don't do something right, you'll get written up or you get fired or you get... I know, Barb's a terrible boss, isn't she? No. <laughs> I'm looking at you guys poking each other over there. No, we have, a, we have this boss that we have to submit to. And not only that, we want to because our boss is looking out for us and they want us to to do well and they'll challenge behavior and they'll challenge how we do things so that it makes us a better employee because when we're better for them, they look better. See? So what happens is you help reflect God's glory. You help him look better. That's why you want to do that. And accountability literally says, I'm not doing so good on my own. I need somebody to help me because left to myself, I go back to doing the things that came natural to me, which may not be so good. But when you say, hey, I thought you gave up soda. Oh, yeah, uh, before I take a drink or pop the cap. You know why? That's something that God just took from me. Diet Mountain Dew, most of you know how much I was a chain drinker of Diet Mountain Dew. Matter of fact, I almost didn't come to TJ's again because they got rid of Diet Mountain Dew. (laughs) <laughs> now I can go there and drink water. But you know what? I'm not, I'm not replacing it with coffee. I'm not replacing I thought about that because, Ted, you guys, you were one who got over the caffeine thing a couple of years ago. And you know what it did? It, it challenged me because he drinks caffeine-free stuff. And, and I, I thought, okay, well, if Ted can do it, I can do it. That's exactly what I'm talking about with change. We got to know somebody. We got to see something in somebody else and know that we can do it too. We can change. So, you know, God didn't, didn't say, just go to caffeine-free for me. He just said, wipe it out. And then he gave me this grace. So all of a sudden, I'm not struggling. Oh, just one sip. You know, instead, it's like, boom, gone. I don't even have any temptation. I don't have a thought about getting it. Matter of fact, my little fridge outside on my deck at home, it's still got one or two cans down in there of Diet Mountain Dew. I, I don't need it. Um, Arlene's been cutting back, too. Guess what? Change helps somebody else to change. Pretty soon we'll be a like soda-free household. Wouldn't it be glorious? Yeah. Not because soda's the devil, you know. It's just because I'm recognizing as a diabetic what I put my kidneys through. And I want to live longer. I want to accomplish God's purpose for my life. So there's just... And then I'm after, okay, what, what next, God? Potato chips. Oh, stop. No, don't do that. No. But what I need is, the reason I get to tell you this is because you get to see me. You know, that accountability, Linda Sadowski talking to me about gathering bottle caps, remember? And pretty soon now on my desk, all you'll see is white lids from from, from, uh, bottles of water. No more green caps. 
And you know, that was just a conviction that, that she brought. So she held me accountable to something. Jay and I argued. He said I was addicted. I said I wasn't. He said, when I asked you for one, you wouldn't let me have one. I said, okay, so maybe I was addicted. Beat him back with a chair and a whip. No, it's mine. It's the one and others. In the book of James, again, it says this. Are you hurting? Pray. Do you feel great? Sing. Are you sick? Call the church leaders together to pray and anoint you with oil in the name of the master. Believing. Believing prayer will heal you and Jesus will put you on your feet. And if you've sinned, you'll be forgiven, healed inside and out. It says, make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. The prayer of a person living right with God is something powerful to be reckoned with. So here's the thing. It doesn't say confess your sins to a priest. It doesn't say confess your sins to a religious man. It says confess your sins to one another. You know why? Because we're in this together. And when we confess our sins with each other, to me, doing something that's killing my body is a sin. Now, to you, it may not be. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. You just have to answer to God. And so if he says something to you about something that is killing you, destroying you, this is a temple, he says, then guess what? Share that with somebody who will say, honey, every now and then Arlene would say, "Um, I thought you didn't want to eat chips anymore. And I'll say, just shut up, will you please? Go away. No, I'm not that mean. But I I would say, no, okay, I know, I know. I'm only going to have a few bags. I'm only going to have a few. So you know what? Even though I got mad at her, even though I didn't like it at the minute, what she did, it curbed what I was going to do. And eventually, just be faithful to that. If you're the accountability partner, if you're the person who's helping hold them accountable, then stick with them. Don't give up, but make sure you're not just doing it to poke them in the eyes because it feels good. See what I mean? For you. Do it because you want to help this person to to gain the victory. Amen? Here's why. Because in verse 19, it says, My dear friends, if you know people who have wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. Go after them. Get them back. And you will have rescued precious lives from destruction and prevented an epidemic of wandering away from God. That's what you do when you're accountable. You help somebody else to be accountable. So what do you have to do? You have to consider yourself to be a prisoner in change. Consider yourself a prisoner. I'm not going to read it, but I put the reference there for you. It's um, true true freedom, and I want to call your attention to it. I don't know if you have that up on the wall. It's Romans 6, 17 to 23. Folks, you just can't get away from this language that's in the Bible that says um, the, the tenses. It says, thank God once you what? Were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. How many of you could say you wholeheartedly obey what God says? I don't think there should be a hand in the room because <laughs> we don't wholeheartedly obey at all. We want to. How many of you want to wholeheartedly obey? See what I mean? There's no condemnation in that. What it just means is We're still needing his help, amen? So I just want to call your attention. Now you are. It says that verse 19 says, because of the weaknesses of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, 
you were free from the obligation to do right. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness. And that's true freedom. Amen? The next one is perseverance. That's Romans 5, 3. Perseverance says, we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Amen? So here's the deal. How many of you have gone through something that you never thought you could possibly go through? You thought it was going to kill you in the midst of it. Amen? You just thought, how can I ever make it past this? And you were forsaken. You felt like just end it all. But you didn't, bless God. Instead, what you did is on the other end of it, you come through realizing that God is an ever-present help in our time of need. So perseverance. You can't give up. You can't quit. For it says that since we've been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends of God. Do you guys look at it that way? That you're friends of God? Do you know that? Friends of God? Some of you came here thinking you're going to get beat down because you're coming to church. You're expecting to hear some sort of wrath and judgment and have somebody tell you how wrong you're living. i sort of telling you that, but I'm telling you that for the sake of having change come. How about the next one? First Corinthians there. It's new habits. We've got to have new habits. How many of you have some bad habits? Anybody have bad habits? How many of you would like to trade those bad habits for good habits? Do you know that's the right type of change? <laughs> I know some people went the other way. Yeah, you want more of that, huh? I know some people who had some good habits and they changed them for some bad habits. You know anybody like that? Somebody, sometimes that tells us how we ought not to live. See what I mean? New habits. The Bible says that 1 Corinthians passage says that we're a new creation and the old things have passed away. Everything's become new. And yet you and I know that I'm still in this old stinking thing. I still stink. 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 5.17. Here's what we call that. It's an up or down vote. Which direction? You go to or away. That's, that's what that is. An up or down vote. Which direction? See? Which direction do I go? I go toward or away? Do you recognize that the goal is here and the steps in this direction toward that goal? And anything else that goes over, that's not, that's not going to take me there. It's not going to bring change. That's why they say new habits take 30 to 45 days that you have to do this consistently to actually convince yourself, to convince yourself of change and that you'll move into a whole new habit by replacing, displacing the old habits. So the illustration is the steps. When I'm going upstairs, I'm going up here. What was I going up here for? I was going up here to, because that's where my goal is. I've got a purpose for going up there. If, if I'm in the midst of going up there and, and I go like this because I, I have something that distracts me and pulls me, I've got to recognize I'm going, am I going toward my goal, away from my goal? It's black and white. It's like this, up or down. It's an up or down vote. This lead up, change, this lead down. 
we got to recognize that's called the pit. It's the grave. Okay? This is called cloud nine. We want to be on cloud nine. How about this? The next one says, obedience is not optional. Obedience is not optional. That's what Jesus proved. Obedience is not optional. It's not my will, but his will. It's not your will. It's what God wants. That's what we have to come to. And the way you get that is the next blank is competition. How many of you are competitive? Anybody competitive? I'm competitive. What do you think? You competitive? I only saw a couple hands, and I know a lot of you are competitive, actually. It means you're not going to back down. It means that you're going to find a way to win. And by golly, you're going to do it even if while they're sleeping you have to... No, you wouldn't do that. You're committed. You're competitive. You're stubborn. Anybody stubborn? You may not see yourself as competitive, but you're stubborn. I'm going to tell you, if you're stubborn, you're competitive. Amen? Hating to lose to the flesh or to the world. That's what it is. How about prayer? The next one is prayer. It's the foundation from which change begins. It's our asking, our seeking, and here's a big word for you, incessant. Incessant asking. Incessant knocking. That's what, you know what that means? I'm not stopping. It's without, it's without stopping. I'm going to keep on. They, they talk about the widow who just keeps on knocking on the door. She won't go away. It says, I'm not going to let you go. Jacob says it. I'm not letting you go until you bless me. Incessant knocking. That's what prayer is. You can't give up. You can't pray one time. It's the foundation. It's incessant knocking. Let me give you these last two and we'll be done. How we walk in victory. It says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So that's what it is. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That wisdom will lead you into victory. Because you realize you don't have to, you just get to. I realize I don't have to. I can keep eating chocolates and drinking Diet Mountain Dew. What a diet I had and eating chips. Just come to lunch with me someday. You'll die an early death. So guess what? I don't have to. Nobody's going to make me. My, I, wasn't, I wasn't hired here as a pastor and called by God because I had it all right. It said I was committed to the change that God wants to bring about. That says take your medicine. That's what that alarm is that you're hearing. That's actually saying it's time for your medicine. The fear of the Lord. The next one is the pursuit of holiness. Pursuit of holiness. You know, um, some of you might want to watch Cops or something. There's a show every now and then on that talks about pursuit, and it just shows all these accidents that happen because criminals try to get away with something and outrun the pursuit, and then it shows this, this chase. I love that. I love when they don't give up and quit, and the police just continues to pursue. And that reminds me, I call it doggedly determined. You've got to be doggedly determined that I'm in the pursuit of holiness. Not my best, but his best. That's the difference, and that's why we talk about it when we talked about, uh, about major sin issues. When we talked about it, we, we talked, it's come up several times about homosexuality. And people look at that and they want to, here's this sin, and then here's this sin, and then that. Let's rank sin. No, let's just say that sin is sin, but let's say it this way too. Let's say that, is this sin any greater than that sin? No. It, it means both of them have, have not been obedient to what God's holiness is, to what his standard is. And where he reveals that to us is in his word, in the Bible. And so 
It's not a twisting of things to make it work my way. It's a matter of what God's word says. And when we go to his standard, not man's standard, that's where we can stay free from error in our own lives. And that's why we need to know what the Bible says. And that's why we need to have our lives that, that we're coated like a marshmallow under a chocolate fountain. <laughs> I don't like it, but I know you would. That you're coated, that you're covered with this mercy. You're covered with this love. So now somebody who's in it, I, I deal with it, folks, all the time. People are in different levels of sin issues. And guess what? We have to reflect the love of God. And that means there's something called long-suffering of God. It's part of who he is. And we don't get to pick and choose where I'm going to be long-suffering. We have to end up, hey, I don't like your Facebook post, but I'm long-suffering, so I'm going to stick with you as a friend. I'm not going to unfriend you even though you're offensive. I might just get with you and try to hold you a little accountable to what you say and what you post. See? But I'm going to stick with you. Why? Because that's what God would do. And the standard is his holiness, not man's, not what I think I was born with, not all that stuff. Because I could say, hey, diabetes is hereditary. It's my mama's fault. It's my grandma's fault that I'm a chip eater. You just have to own some of this yourself and take responsibility. That's what God's saying. Christians, step up to the plate and take some responsibility. And now, surrender. Give it to me. Look for me. Be doggedly determined. I'm not going to let this define me. You won't find any quit in me. Are you a quitter? Boy, God doesn't want you to be a quitter. Oh, he wants you to quit that bad stuff, but he doesn't want you to quit pursuing his holiness, his righteousness. It says in 1 Peter, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in ignorance, but like the Holy One who called you Be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And the last thing says biblical boundaries. Biblical boundaries. What would Jesus do? Don't go anywhere else. Only do what pleases the Father. No other option. Only what pleases God. If you'll begin to direct your lives that way, only what pleases God. You'll find yourself free from bondage, from sin, from slavery to issues. You'll find yourself getting over old habits. You'll find yourself embracing new habits. You'll find that your life, the quality of your life is going to improve. You're going to find that there's less fights and less quarrels. You're going to find yourself in a place of joy. Let me give you this little short quotation. It's from Oswald Chambers, he says, uh, talking about consecration. Consecration means... It's a matter of holiness, of determining in your life, dedicating yourself to be consecrated for his purposes, put aside for his purposes. Consecration is the narrow, lonely way to overflooding love, overflooding love. We are not called upon to live long on this planet, but we are called upon to be holy at any and every cost. If obedience costs your life, then pay it. Just pay it. Let's pray. Can we go ahead and make sure the kids are on their way? Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Father, we know that you have been changing us. You once were, but now you are. And Father, I agree that in this room today, God, in your church, that there exists people on all 
kinds of places, all on different steps in that, in that process of life. And we just want to be able to say that, God, you're patient, long-suffering toward us. We ought to be toward one another. And so, God, help us to see those things which you have done and to have in our hearts the things that you are doing. And, God, that you give us that sense of what you're about to do, that you have this hope in our hearts. So, Father, I just speak that peace over each and every heart today, that, God, we're in the process. By the fact that they came here today says that they want to change, that they want to know you. They want some fix in their life. And so, God, we're desperate, and we realize that we aren't doing it right. And, God, somehow we're believing that you will help us to discover what is right, to help us understand and answer the very questions that we're dealing with in this life. And, God, that you'll help us with the struggles that we have in the natural, these desires, these cravings, God, for everything from from chips to Diet Mountain Dew. And so, God, I know for some of us it's even worse. It's that we're crying out for, for love. We're crying out for acceptance. We're crying out for forgiveness. We're crying out for some victory in an area of our lives where it doesn't seem that it's ever going to come. And so I thank you that, God, you're, you're the you're God of hope. And we place our trust in you for bringing it about. We agree with your word that says that, that this work that you began in us, this, this book of our life that, that you're the author of, that you're going to complete it right up until the very last breath, right up until the day of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, I pray for hope in our hearts today. I pray, God, that you have uh, spoken words today that will cause us to think about our lives, what we are, what we were, and what you have for us. Father, I pray that as we seek to change, that you'll bring about what we could never do in and of ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen.